Linux Out Loud is firing up our microphones, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banner friendly, the conversation, well, somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about what is in our apocalypse-ready technology bags. Let's get into episode 39. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. And with me today, we have um, some fantastic co-hosts. As always, we have the lover of two distros and one that he will never tell the other about, Nate. And <laughs> the photographer extraordinaire. She will capture your soul and be uh, sinister about it, Wendy. What's going on, guys? What? <laughs> I thought it was Devourer of Souls. Halloween is over. I'm done capturing souls. I mean, wait a See, minute, what? There's the sinister that we talk about, guys, and she never will admit to it. I am not sinister Lies. at all. Just don't talk to my children, and it'll be okay. Sounds good to me. How's your week been going? It's been a busy week. And as such, I, regardless, I was using a tool that I just think is absolutely fantastic in the OpenSUSE ecosystem. It's called the Open Build Service Package Installer, or OPI. It is a fantastic piece of software that you can use. I think it's just for OpenSUSE, but I'm sure it could work with other distributions. But the way it works is after you install it, you want to add like some bit of software that's not in the official repositories, like let's say Codex or maybe some games that are like the game repository, stuff like that. In the terminal, you just type in sudo OPI and then whatever the application is. So if it's, let's say like VS Codium or could be TeamViewer or Zoom, anything, it will go out, search for it, and install the packages on your system. And that's it. It'll ask then also afterwards if you want to keep the repositories or not. So it's super cool. I really like it. You know, like if let's say you just want to install the MGBA emulator thing, and it's not in the official repositories for numerous reasons. So you just type in sudo OPI MGBA. It'll give you options. You know, you want the MGBA or MGBA SDL or whatever the other things that have MGBA in it. You select which one, then it'll give you the question of what repository do you want to pull MGB out of? So you select repository and then it installs it with zipper still, asks if you want to keep the repository, yes or no, and then you're done. It's just super handy. It makes searching for software in the OpenSUSE ecosystem very easy to do. I mean, assuming you are okay with the terminal and very quick. So I really like it. I did a short little article on cubiclenate.com for it. That just basically says how I use it, what I like about it, what I don't like about it, and so forth. But anyway, fantastic tool. I know it's been out there for quite a while. It's kind of an unsung bit of OpenSUSE that I think that is maybe should be talked about more. And so that's you why talk I that. about as much OpenSUSE as possible. No, never. That's a really excellent thing to bring up. It's a lot like some of these other, not necessarily packaging options, but ways to get software that we've been talking about recently. And I have used OpenSUSE in the past, and for the most part, I really, really enjoyed it. I do find Zipper to be a nice package manager, and this is just an extra layer to bring, I'd say, more usefulness into OpenSUSE. Definitely able to find some of those packages that wouldn't be in the official repositories, but another way that you can bring them in from trusted repositories. Nate, exactly. I will honestly say that is definitely a cool service that you can bring those in the you know trusted repositories and stuff. I do like that. Something a lot of other distros could you know maybe do. <coughs> PPAs. <laughs> right. I think all the distributions should have something like this or even use this at some level. It's another great easy way to get software, like you said, and 
kind of falls in line with the idea of universal packages in a way because you're not going out there and having to manually add repositories and stuff like that. It's just as easy to OPI whatever as it is to flat pack whatever or snap I know whatever. Nate's waiting for me to rag on this because it's OpenSUSE, but I'm actually not going to. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, right today down. November 11th, 2022. Matt is not a his normal self. <laughs> I already got my jabs in as soon as I did the introductions for you, Nate, so that's fine. Oh, good point. Wendy, you have an update for us. Does this have to do with something in the robotics world? Well, since I was all about the gaming the last couple of weeks, I figured I'd give you guys an update on the gameplay for season one of The Walking Dead game. I've made it through episode one, and I found it really interesting at the end of that, that it kind of gives you a rundown of the choices you made and the percentage of the fellow players that did that versus the ones who didn't. I'm now in episode two, and one of the biggest downsides I'm finding of this game is you can't just save wherever you are. So if you're in the middle between saved spots and you're going around and you're talking to people... If you need to leave for any reason and then come back, you have to restart over again from that last official save spot. There's really no saving in the middle of that storyline. The other biggest downside of that is sometimes those storyline sections can be rather long. And so I was quite a ways into one and needed to leave to go do some other stuff. And that just means that now when I pick it back up, I have to start all over again. So I had. Just a few minutes here yesterday that I wanted to kind of unwind, play a game, and the season one of The Walking Dead isn't the one that I went to because I'm like, dang it, I just don't have enough time to invest in that right now. And I'm in a section of the storyline that I'd really, really, really like to get past. So that's the kind of frustrating thing is I want to get past this point in the storyline, but at the same time, I know I need to have a decent block of time in order to get through this story. So overall, gameplay, I am pretty much enjoying it. I'm liking this choose your own adventure style. I just wish that I could save it more often. I know Matt, you are the one who told me about the game that I talked about the previous week, which was Brutal Legend. So Magneto heard about me talking about Brutal Legend from the previous week because yes, my husband does listen to the podcast. And so he came home, he's like, so show me what this game is. And even though he's not a really big Jack Black fan, he was like, I was kind of interested. And he started playing and he's pretty much beat the game. Like he's played the game more than I have. He's gotten a lot of play out of this game that you'd recommended for me. I got to watch him play some of it, which is a ton of fun. The soundtrack to that game is amazing. (laughs) I wish I still had it available to purchase because you bet I would own the soundtrack to that game. Liking both of those games, Magneto has gotten a lot more use out of Brutal Legends than I have so far, but I do plan on finishing playing it through. My skills, my gaming skills aren't as up to par as his, so it's going to take me longer than it's taken him, but both still awesome games. What I need now is another game suggestion that I can play in short snippets. Whereas these two, you got to have some time blocked out in order to get through certain sections of the game. I need one that I can jump into, play for a couple minutes and jump out and not have to worry about starting over again. Otherwise, Actually, Wendy, I might have a game recommendation for you on that front then. Imagine that. There is a game. No, I kid you not. (laughs) <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> it's not story focused per se, but if you want kind of that mobile game experience, but at your desk or whatever, there is a game called Half Minute Hero. 
you have 30 Ooh. seconds to save the world kind of deal. That's the game. Watch this repeat. It's like mini RPGs, JRPGs. And it's done like in a 16-bit art style. I think the game's like 10 bucks or something. It's not like uber expensive. And you can get it on Steam. All right. I'm very interested in this. You call it 30 half second minute hero. hero? Half minute. Same thing. Same yeah, yeah. thing 30 seconds to yeah, one, half different. minute to another. Yeah, yeah I got it. <laughs> it seems kind of unfortunate that they would not have a better, more granular save structure because it can be hard to dedicate an extended period of time to do any kind of gaming. I know at least for me, I only have like five, 10 minutes here and there, which is you know, why I think the Steam Deck is kind of handy, but <laughs> you know, I guess I get it. Not that we're trying to upsell you on a Steam Deck at all, Wendy. Right. I can't repeat what I told you earlier about that topic, <laughs> but I will just, you know, say, hey, repeat of earlier. There you go. <laughs> so for those that don't know, I can't repeat what was said. <laughs> <laughs> it was without a doubt a bad Wendy. We weren't recording at the time, so nobody gets to hear I'm pretty that sure one. my ears did. But yeah, to your point, yeah, some of the save stuff on some of those more um, story-focused games is can be a downer. Sometimes they, when they don't have the ability to kind of save anywhere at any time or kind of the pause options because of how those games are built are very limited. Do I leave it open in the background so it can eat up system memory and games don't take up a small amount of system right. memory? <laughs> I, know, I definitely feel you on that one. But no, I would definitely check out uh, Half Minute Hero. That's uh, the first one that comes to mind. And it's kind of one of those games, if you like, plants versus zombies which i know you did this might fall into like your kind of game too yeah and i know it kind of feels like a guilty pleasure to say that i enjoyed playing the original plants versus zombies i have played the mobile version all the way through i can played the computer version all the way through i have all of the points. I've gotten just about all of the achievements. There's just a few left to snag here and there. But I've now played the survival part in the mini games so many times because I've had a couple seconds here, a couple seconds there, that it's no mm -hmm. longer fun. And I need something else that I can just jump in, play for a few minutes, and jump out that'll fill that void because now I look at it and I'm like, I have time, but oh my gosh, I'm done with this one. I'm, I'm tired of it. I believe Half Minute Hero might also be on Android too, Wendy. I don't remember. For the most part, I really try not to play mobile games anymore. Mainly, I mean, there is Solitaire on my phone and my kids will play that one. But for the most part... I'm trying not to be on my device unless absolutely necessary. And so I'd prefer to have them at my computer when I've got gotcha. a few seconds rather than them being Makes on sense. my phone. Half Minute Hero is deaf because it came out on the PSP originally. So that's the only reason I even remotely thought about that when you were like, oh, I only have a couple of minutes. I'm like, perfect game. <laughs> And it actually looks like there's two different versions. I see Half Minute Hero Super Mega Neo Climax Ultimate Boy is what it has named on Steam. Is that Hold the right on. one? Let me uh, check. I may have the wrong Half Minute Hero found. Because this one is extremely... Oh, no, it's like the art's 16-bit all the way. The one I have okay. is Half Minute Hero The Second Coming. That's the one that I... Okay, so you're talking about the newer version, which is a couple of years older, still 2014. Yeah, so includes Half Minute Hero Super... So the one you're looking at is that game, but it has... Includes Half Minute Hero Super Mega, <laughs> Climax, Ultra Boy, and Half Minute Hero The Second Coming for $10. Yeah, that's not bad. That's really not bad. 
Well, thanks once again for another game recommendation, even though we're not in the game of the week section of the show. He's an enabler. I know. Says the guy who's been trying to enable her to get a Steam Deck, Nate, because you talk about more than I do. It's just a nice system. Both of you have been doing it. I don't say I haven't been. I'm just saying he does it more than I do. I don't know about that. I mean, maybe. (laughs) Matt, you are up to your old ways, and that includes roasting Michael while he's been out of the country. I haven't got to see as many behind-the-scenes pictures of you, but... I'm kind of curious as to how he's taken your ribbings. Well, he hasn't actually gotten the ribbings because he's been busy, obviously, doing things like having interviews with certain high-profile people, and I'll leave it at that, while he has been out of the country. So he hasn't seen any of the ribbings. Other community members have been there, have failed at their job of ribbing Michael while I have tried to. (laughs) One of the things I mentioned was Michael had a presentation about marketing while at for his conference. And I was like, so Michael, did you bring a stool to help present? You know, so it's just more kind of like the typical Michael jokes, but sarcastically more so than normal. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And there could be some people out there that don't get the stool joke. You probably have to go pretty far back in Destination Linux in order to get that original reference. So the stool joke basically boils down to is that Michael literally went to like a cheap furniture store and bought a stool. I think it was actually online. Was it online? Yeah, he actually got a great deal on it. Incredibly cheap. It got thrown in for like five bucks. So he was on the website for the same company that we got our sit-stand desks from. And they were having a flash Black Friday deal. And I don't know how he got lucky enough to get in on one of those because I've tried for the last two years. And I don't know whether it's my internet or the fact that if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck. (laughs) Like Eeyore. (laughs) But he was able to snag this stool for five bucks. And if you can get it for five dollars, I mean, really, why not? And so then it being in the background and, of course, Ryan giving him crap about the stool. So now we have the whole get your active sitting shirt from the Tux Exactly. Store. And <laughs> Michael does have two modes. He has, you know, active sitting and active standing. So, <laughs> but no, so that's been most of the week. I haven't really had a lot of time to really do a whole lot of stuff as it relates to just life in general. This time of year is really busy for me at my normal job, so it's just one of those kind of things. However, there are some behind-the-scenes stuff that I currently can't talk about. I'll just leave it at this, that it's with a certain Linux hardware OEM, and that's all I can say. Yeah, stuff is about to get super crazy for you, and I know this time, the last couple of years, we've missed you for some time during this time of year just because of your job. So, on the upside, if you're going to be gone some more, we might get Bill back. <laughs> that's a huge upside. When no, see, Matt? That's when you replace <laughs> me with the other Matt, but he goes by Magneto, sorry. <laughs> oh! Okay, yes, Magneto, the other Matt. We could replace you with Magneto. The biggest downside is I need another microphone in order to make that happen. Because when we did his interview, it was definitely a little bit more difficult to be sharing a mic. So in order to make that happen, I need a second microphone and a different input device. But we could probably And somehow something tells me it would be good for that one interview because Magneto technology. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, that's what I have uh, been working on and being able to do because, you know, life is <laughs> life is life. I am definitely looking forward to that hardware OEM 
interaction. That's going to be fun. And that's all I can say about what it actually is. So, well, I'm excited for what is to come. This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, well, let's say complex, especially for a guy like me. But standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Predictable pricing, robust product documentation, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth, from teams of one, so just you, to teams of a thousand with simple, powerful cloud computing and growing at DigitalOcean. As a listener of Linux Out Loud and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. Go to do.co slash tux2022. The question was brought up kind of jokingly, and then we kind of took the joke and ran with it. If the apocalypse happened, what would be in your tech bag? So like end of the world kind of deal. And I know for me, I don't actually have a lot of stuff in my like tech bag that I generically have. For me, it's mostly cell phone, USB-C cables, because I try to universal everything, so I have less cables. I have a solar battery pack that's about 3,800 milliamps or something around that. And I have a laptop-tablet hybrid because it's low power. Small set of, like, screwdrivers, wrench tools, that you know, that kind of stuff. And I carry some important documents on uh, USB thumb drives. That's really all I got. I don't think you need a whole ton. It's more about what you would grab. Of course, there is also the, if your house burns down, what's the first thing you're going to grab? Now, I know in Nate's case, is going to be the Commodore 64 imposter, because that's just Nate. <laughs> but that's actually not in my house. Okay, a building you own, that better. <laughs> <laughs> that stays in the cubicle studio, wow. not in my cubicle bedroom. <laughs> I think that the idea of a solar battery pack is a great idea. Now, are you envisioning that you're taking your tech bag and you're hiking across country or are you hopping in a vehicle and driving across so country? So for me, it could be either or, honestly. The battery pack is an example. The reason I, I went with a solar one, if you're driving, as an example, just throw it up on the dash, fold out the panels, let it do its thing for however far you drive. That way you're not eating into your car battery. If you have an electric car, you're not eating into your car battery. If you're doing DC out and all that stuff. The connectors are all USB-C. So I don't have, and that's why I have the USB-C cable. So I don't, in, out, it's all the same. And I can charge my phone. I can charge the tablet laptop hybrid thing that I have. It's more simplicity more than anything else. A more consistent power stream that can be collected. Whereas things like, again, car batteries and all that other stuff is, now if your car's not running, you might have some power at some point. And if you're hiking, the nice thing is this can tie to like the back of your bag and you can just fold out the panels and let it do its thing that way too. So that for me is the reason why I went with the solar route more than anything else. One of those has been on my wish list, but we do try to spend a lot of time in the mountains in the summer. Of course, not as much this year, even though we're not doing a lot with technical devices when we are there. I do typically have an audiobook on or we're playing some music, something like that. So being able to keep it charged. And then my husband and I are looking at getting him a device 
that'll help extend his cell phone service range. So it would be linked to his cell phone, have a satellite connection so that he can get messages out. And not necessarily when he's up in the mountains, he's traveling quite a bit. And as he's going across the border into another state and traveling to some of these other Java sites, there are times that he really doesn't have any cell phone service. And that's where some of these satellite devices would come in handy. And then on top of that, having a solar battery pack in order to, if you couldn't charge it with a vehicle or to save your vehicle batteries and whatnot, still be able to keep those devices charged and ready to go. It's definitely something that I need to get grabbed Yeah, I, one thing I will say about like the solar battery pack, they do take a while to charge. The best way I keep it is I keep it at like 70% charged. And then obviously, Nate, you know this as well as I do. You don't want to store it at a full capacity. It's going to degrade. So you want to have that room of degradation and rechargeability still. If you have an initial charge that you can, because you can, the one I have, you can plug into the wall and do it that way. So I do that up to 70% and then I just solar it the rest and then it's fine. And it holds the charge for, it seems like forever because... I think I can recharge my full cell phone, which is 5,000 milliamp, six or seven times on it. Oh, wow. That's a really nice battery pack size. Yeah, it's 3,000, whatever. It's fairly large. I mean, it's bigger than my cell phone, so, you know. <laughs> and yeah. it was like $35. It wasn't that expensive. Yeah, that's great. Does it have like higher voltage, like USB-C output too, so it could power a laptop or whatever? I have not of it? tried the USB-C on the laptop portion. You can probably do it because I know it has USB-C in and out. Again, I haven't tried it because that's the one connector the tablet doesn't use. The tablet uses its own proprietary garbage nonsense. You should see if it works in the Steam Deck because that'll be a good indicator. The Steam Deck will take yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to put out at 65 watts, which the Steam Deck requires. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if it puts out 45 watts, the Steam Deck will at least charge True. off of that. Again, I have not tried that. I mean, the Steam Deck can run off of less than 65 watts if you don't have the pedal pegged down to the floorboard. Well, yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have it off, too. Anyway, we're not going right. to get talking about the Steam Deck because, you know, we don't want to bore Wendy to death. <laughs> Wendy's going to go well, to sleep. It's like when I, I hear mean, 3D what? printing. Oh, Wendy, what are some of the things that you would need in that kind of situation where it's just like, I got to go as far as tech specifically? Well, yeah, I was kind of wanting a little bit of clarification. You're talking about like the end of the world. Yeah. Of course, it's the end of the world. I'm not going to have <laughs> any way to charge it. There's not going to be any internet to use. So in those cases, forget it. I don't need the tech anymore. But if it's a situation that I need to get out of the house really quickly, have some tech items, of course, cell phones kind of a no brainer anymore. Like everybody's pretty much got one. I would want to make sure that my daughter has hers as well. My son has a cell phone, but it doesn't have a SIM card in it and it can still make emergency phone calls. So, you know, everybody having those appropriate devices that could actually get out to emergency services, I think is a really good idea for them to have. And then I was trying to think of what else would I want to run out the door with something that's relatively low powered. I can get quite a bit of stuff done on it. And I'd have to say probably a Raspberry Pi 4, one with at least four to eight gigs on it, decent sized SD card inside of it. That way, I've pretty much got this itty bitty computer that can fit in a backpack. It can fit just about anywhere and it can be a lot easier to find some of those peripherals here and there and not necessarily need to take them with me, though I do have the official 
Pi keyboard and Pi mouse that are also really, really small. So they'd all throw together nicely into a backpack. The downside of taking the Raspberry Pi as my computer is I do need some sort of visual out. But depending on where I'm going, I see it's probably pretty probable that there'll be TVs or whatever that I can connect into a device like that. So I know that the Raspberry Pi would be super handy just because it's so small and you can throw it into just about anything. I'd also have to say that I've become quite attached to my tablet, even though my current tablet doesn't run Linux. But I've taken all kinds of notes on that. It's got different things for the kids to do. It's got ways for me to access different documents that we have on other cloud type services. I really don't have too much as far as things on a USB stick, but on my home network, I'm currently using SyncThing. So if the internet power is up at my house, I can access that. It would be a good idea for me to maybe put some specific documents that I might need in a secure place that can be thrown in that bag taken with me because you never know when you might need something like that not necessarily having a paper copy but a digital copy of them in some of those emergency situations would be quite nice so during this conversation it's kind of given me some thoughts of hey these are some of the things I have maybe some of this stuff are things that I should do in order to get ready to go I like your idea of having everything on USB-C so you don't need as many cables. My phone charges with USB-C. A Raspberry Pi 4 will power up with USB-C. That's keeping some of your cables the same, reducing the amount of stuff that you have to have for that. I think overall, I don't have the best answer in the world, but it's one of those things I would start thinking about. Like, what can I do to make it better? I would love to take my (laughs) desktop with me, But this thing is massive. I don't have a baby case. I'm not a Ryan. I don't have one of those itty bitty baby cases where everything's scrunched together. No, I have got the full size massive tower. You're not walking out of here with that. Yeah, I can't really say much in that regard because I went Ryan's route with the computer. So uh, (laughs) I can't really comment on that one. But though I did not comment on that's what I would take because no, (laughs) too many wires, too many cords. Exactly. The kitchen system would be the same thing. It's actually pretty small. So taking that wouldn't be too bad as far as size wise. But if I'm taking something that needs a monitor attached to it, I'd really rather grab the Raspberry Pi because in general, it would just fit better in the car anywhere well, I needed to go. What you could do with the Raspberry Pi and Nate, you'll like this because, you know, it's um, some Ray Bradbury type stuff. You could always build a cyber deck. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> It's a self-contained unit using Raspberry Pis with, the, uh, I believe, the official 7-inch screen. Look them up. They're quite interesting. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I have seen some really, really cool touchscreens for the Raspberry Pis, but if you're putting this in relation to the no, Steam no, Deck, no. I will reference... No, this oh, is okay. totally different. This uses the Raspberry Pi. It gives you a mechanical keyboard, and it gives you the 7-inch screen. It takes the concept of... I'm trying to think of the best way to word that. Nate, how would you really explain a, a cyber deck? It's literally like a small briefcased laptop. Like that's the only way I can really explain it. Or like an ARM computer, perhaps. It's a cyberpunk. All right, I'm going to send you a link, Wendy. It's in our little chat thingy. It's a very cool little device. Okay. It takes a Raspberry Pi 400, but you could probably do it with a four in the, the, in the um, and all the other stuff. keyboard just as well. And it basically turns into like a cyberpunk-like portable it's computer. A computer. Yeah, it's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, a risk computer. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, the one that you've got 
pictured here. He's using a Raspberry Pi 400 that looks pretty cool. I found one on Hackaday when I did a quick search. So that one has the mechanical keyboard built into it. I do like the idea of these. I have seen some other touchscreens, some seven inch screens that are made for the Raspberry Pi. So that might be the best way to do this is, you know, a really super easy grab and go lightweight, small computer that doesn't take much in the needs of power, something that you could use one of those solar powered charging bricks mm-hmm. in order to keep it going for a certain amount of time. Yeah, keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And this one uses a Raspberry Pi Pico And they're one of the few Raspberry Pi boards that you can potentially get your hands on. I like it. (laughs) Wendy, you have a 3D printer now. So, you know, you can 3D print your case. I'm just saying. I still need some filament. That's one of the things I got to do is get some filament ordered. But, oh, heck yeah, I can see a project in our near future. (laughs) Guess what, kids? There's a really cool mechanical keyboard that I just got for another project. And combining that with like a Pi 400 and a form factor kind of like this would be super cool for sure. Oh, heck yeah. It's nice and clicky. As I have totally derailed the conversation. (laughs) Absolutely, but in the most glorious way possible. Raspberry Pi's 3D printing, little keyboard stuff that I can be like, hey, I need this for the kids. It's for the children. You're going to build yourself a cyber deck (laughs) out of your Pi 4 that has a mechanical keyboard and it's ready for the apocalypse. That's what it's for. It makes total sense. Just keep Magneto away from it. No, because it'll be cyberpunk. It'll be totally Magneto resistant. Friendly. <laughs> Nate. Friendly you resistant, know whatever. Everything breaks very, very easily. Well, yeah, but and okay. Magneto breaks technology. So, well, <laughs> two and two does equal four. But he breaks it in the most elegant okay, ways. That, <laughs> that he does, or in the most creative ways, or right. in the how in the world did you do that? <laughs> Was that even possible? Exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm still down the <laughs> rabbit hole of this cyber deck thing. You're welcome. <laughs> You thought I was going to tie that to the Steam Deck somehow, didn't you? Yes, I did. That's why I was about to tell you to go reference my earlier comment. I was not referencing the Steam Deck. Ha! You weren't, but I know for sure that's one of the things that Nate would be taking with him. He's taking his Steam Deck. It doesn't matter (laughs) if it really is the apocalypse or not, and the dang thing won't work anymore. He's taken it with So him. I thought about this question quite a bit, even as you, Matt, and Wendy were talking about, you know, these bugging out very quickly due to whatever reason. I was thinking, what would be the circumstances that would cause me to leave my home, which is kind of a homestead now, you know, get the whole farm thing, the solar, blah, blah, blah. I can't take all that with me. Impossible. So for what reason would I be bugging out rapidly and abandoning my animals and so forth? And there actually was a situation sometime in my childhood in this area when there was a train that derailed and dumped like some chemicals or whatever. And so they had to evacuate the area because of safety reasons. I don't remember the actual radius that had to be evacuated, but it wasn't close to the house that I grew up in, but they still evacuated that area too. I remember my family was listening on the radio of you know, like the event that's going on or whatever. We went to a commercial break. A store in my town at the time called Ben Franklin was advertising to come in now for some sort of sale or whatever. I just remember that was a story that kind of went on and on for quite a while because the irony of everyone's evacuating the town. Hey, come down to Ben Franklin and pick up your, I don't know, penny candy, whatever it was. So I was thinking about what would be the situation where I would have to leave? I'm guessing, you know, because this is where, you know, my doorhouse is of sorts. I would want to come back here 
because this is where things are. I wouldn't be able to take everything with me. It's just absolutely impossible. So maybe there's some sort of an emergency, some kind of an evacuation. I don't have to pick up and go, let's just say. So the things, of course, I would bring were some sort of communication. So like you have, you know, your cell phone. I got a radio as well that I'm not licensed for all the frequencies, but I would still bring it anyway, just in case. My laptop, I'd bring my Steam Deck because, you know, I have kids and I'm likely going to be throwing them in the van and we're going to go. And so they're going to need something to entertain themselves on eventually. Honestly, I think I would leave behind my C64 Imposter. As much as I love it, I don't see any reason that I would take it with me. There wouldn't be space for it. I don't know how I would use it. I mean, I suppose I could plug it into the screen in the van and I could use it that way, but it would just be a lot easier to use a laptop or a Steam Deck at that point. I, of course, have some spare cables for charging and so forth. I'd probably bring a soldering iron with me because I have a small one that I can take with me wherever I go. I don't have that pine sole soldering iron. I think it's called pine sole. That'd be pretty cool. Don't have one of those. I have to bring what I have right now. I'd bring some basic tools and also some USB drives as well. But ultimately, I would make it a point to try and come back here at some point. So I'd, I would hope that the evacuation or having to leave wouldn't be that long. Because, you know, here's where I have all my things. I can, you know, batten down, as it were. I'd bring the, just the basic tech that I would need to bug out for whatever reason, you know, outside of like major tools and whatnot, like surviving tools. That's probably what I'd take with me. It's kind of like an electronic pacifier for me and my kids, essentially. I mean, because I like my tech. I'm not going to lie. That's probably what I would do. Yep. I would have to very sadly leave my most precious system behind. Where's Nate? What have you done with him? <laughs> <laughs> He's not leaving his most precious system behind because he's taking the Steam Deck. But to be fair, your C64 imposter is a lot like my desktop, the kitchen system, or Matt's other system. Size-wise, it just doesn't really fit in a grab-and-go and use in many, many situations. Right. Where at home, it's perfect, but not necessarily great for on-the-road type use. Exactly. And the building it's sitting in now is essentially a Farad cage. It would protect against most things. I mean, not completely because there's a giant window and part of it. But outside of that, I mean, it's pretty well protected as far as that's concerned. So if there would be an electromagnetic pulse, as long as it wasn't too close, everything would probably be okay. Yeah, I think the other question I would ask myself is, what is it that I would take my technology for? Chances are, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of blogging if I'm running for my life. There's that. If anything, I'd be vlogging, right? But I don't do that. The technology I'd bring would be, so I have like my records, like my laptop has the vast majority of my important documents on there. I'd have access to those things because I've talked to you about like my digital filing system. So I have the vast majority of things on that computer. And the Steam Deck would just be for entertainment because, you know, if, if you're having to leave and go someplace strange, you know, having kids, you're going to have to help keep them quiet or, you know, help settle them. Have something that's familiar as well as entertaining and doesn't require a whole lot of input from me for them to just give it to them back of the van if they're tired of the movie or whatever or driving. And, you know, the van is a electric hybrid. I can go pretty far in it, charging it for gasoline. So it's dual fuel, essentially. That'd probably be the reason or the things that I would take with me for sure. But definitely communications. You got to be able to communicate. Got to be able to have some way of securing yourself and some method to do some kind of equipment maintenance, food plan, and a sleep plan. Those, those are your five priorities of work right there. I think my technology bug out bag would have comms and then the maintenance piece kind of uh, taken care of. And to some extent, security, I suppose, because you got to have a certain amount of, of information with you, I suppose. Yeah, it's definitely really helpful depending on the emergency situation you're in to have some of those important details. I find it really interesting what we've all kind of chosen to bring with us. Actually, to be honest, I'm still stuck on the cyber deck thing. <laughs> 
No, yeah, that's really what I'm still looking at. I'm ignoring you guys right now. That's totally cool. And I'm still looking at cyber so, deck stuff. Ryan, you can blame me and Nate for sending her down the rabbit hole. Well, I mean, I found this really, really cool <laughs> screen from Adafruit that's meant for that. It's a cyber deck hat for the Raspberry Pi. And guess what? It's flipping out of stock. Mommy, if you've traveled enough holes in the internet, you will find one. Oh, I'm not done. Magneto, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Though she's going to try justifying this as, this is something that the kids need to learn how to do to build computers. It's totally for the kids. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like Nate's justification for the Steam Deck, totally for the kids. Totally for the kids. To be fair, he said before that this was his toy and the kids aren't allowed to touch it and now the kids are allowed to use it and I'm going to take it with me because the children need something to do. So he uses kids as an excuse just as much as I use the kids as an excuse. The same reason I buy Legos. I don't have kids because I don't need to make an excuse. (laughs) I just wanted it so I bought it. (laughs) So if you had to grab and go, what would you consider your must-have technology items? Let us know in the comments down below, and you can use the contact form to also let us know what you guys think. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for teams, individuals, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Say you want that premium account. It starts at just $10 per year. What comes with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP authenticator storage and generation plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. If you're like me though, you'll want to show your appreciation for this amazing open source project by signing up for the premium edition, especially where it starts at just $10 per year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. So, Nate, it sounds like you have understood a term finally that most people probably wouldn't understand anyway, but what is glamping? Glamping, in a nutshell, is camping, but in a glamorous way or glamorous camping. That's how I get glamping. And I finally understand what that is. I'm not someone who likes to camp. I've gone camping, but it's not really something like, yes, I want to go camping. I want to make it a point to go camping. To me, it's not fun to live in the dirt. I've done it for a job let's just say, and I don't really like it. I don't like sleeping in the rain or the snow or whatever other else fun the weather can throw at you when you are without the comforts of a hard structure, I guess. So I finally understood like what glamping is. And you know, I've seen campers and whatnot. To me, I've looked at campers and have been like, meh, yeah, I get it. Well, I was at, for work, I was at this Jellystone Park Symposium in South Carolina. I was going there for work. A friend of mine was helping with his business. He sells signs. And so I was helping him with his sign business. And since I could go, I went. And I had a great time. There's a couple of vendors there that were selling different styles of like cabins on wheels, essentially. I guess they qualify as RVs. Although I think if you're playing fast and loose with RV, that's what they would be. And one particular 
camper or RV was this Conestoga wagon from the Conestoga Wagon Company from your part of the world, Wendy. So they came all the way from where you live to South Carolina to show off their wagons, like covered wagon, like Oregon Trail looking wagon that was all decked out. It had like bunk beds in part of it, like a really nice bed in there, like a sitting area with tables. It was absolutely gorgeous. The woodwork on it was gorgeous and it had that wood smell like a, I don't know what they're using, probably some kind of a cedar or maybe something else that, you know, is weather resistant. There's another wood that they talked about, cypress, I think was the other wood that they used. I just absolutely loved it. I had electricity in there, unlike wagons from some 300 years ago. And it used wheels that were, I guess, built by Amish and not far from where I live now. And you could pull it up to 30 miles an hour, I guess, which is probably faster than what a pair of oxen would pull it. It's very mobile. You can move it around, if you know, move it around on your property or whatever. It would definitely move. It was super cool. So at that point, I understood this is glamping. I could probably do this and not sleep on the dirt and be quite happy. I don't know that I would necessarily call that glamping, but it was gorgeous. It was probably the prettiest covered wagon I have ever seen. And I guarantee you that... Anyone who has run sheep and had to live in a sheep camp would be extremely jealous of (laughs) that wagon itself because it is. It's absolutely gorgeous. When I think of glamping, though, I think that's more along the lines of all of my technology works. I have TV, satellite TV. I have internet. I'm inside a camper probably one of those like extremely expensive motor homes yeah something like that that's what i think of as the glamping whereas this covered wagon in particular i'd say like that's a really nice but warm weather way to camp because you've got this looks like an extremely comfortable bed lots of space in there but you're still doing your cooking outside and the like You don't have running water. You don't have a bathroom built into it. But I would definitely stay the night. This wasn't one of the only things they had there. I think this is the thing that really struck me as being super cool. And yeah, even though you'd have to maybe cook over a fire or whatever. I mean, I can deal with that. But to like live in this, I could do that. It's nice. It'd be enough for like me and my kids for sure without a problem. Did have a mini split in there. So like right above the door, you see in one of those photos, it has a um, air conditioner heater unit, a heat pump. Ah. It would be pretty nice that it does assume you have access to electricity. But I did not have any idea that such things like this even existed, like this was even a thing. And I just was incredibly impressed by the modernized old technology, I guess. I'm looking at it from like a technological standpoint. I mean, this is all an old design for a wagon to be pulled by animals, but yet modernized and improved in such a way that you can actually be comfortable. Yeah, to me, it was just pretty amazing. It reminds me of something that you would see on a dude ranch. And that's one of those, like, they're running some cattle, some horses and stuff. And in order to make the people, this is the first time that they've seen a live cow feel like they're living rustically. They'd put it in something <laughs> like that. Right. It's rustic, but not really. <laughs> but not really. Yeah, it's kind of like Disney World rustic. No, neat. the reason you find it so interesting, though, is because it's very much like you. Old meets new technology and, well... Ah. As much as we joke, you're stuck in, you know, the 1990s and late 90s, I'll give you credit. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the 80s. Sometimes early 80s, yeah. Most of the time, early 80s. (laughs) You are one that, you're like me when I came to that workstation that I had. I suckered as much longevity out of that piece of technology that I could in every way possible. I definitely get the appeal of something like this, where it's like, there's a modern vibe and feeling to it, but it's got that old... I don't want to say traditional, but old 
like you said, rustic kind of way of how it's built and how it looks and how it operates and that kind of stuff. So it is that kind of perfect combination of old meets new. And I can definitely see why that's something you found really interesting. Yeah, for sure. The fact that it's an old design that's still essentially relevant in some fashion today, I think that's pretty It's kind of like your C64 imposter. Kind of like that, yeah. It's modernized on the inside, but on the outside it looks old and crusty. Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Old and crusty, kind of like me. Pretty much. Wendy, it looks like you're doing some addition, but you're adding together some audio editors. I'm a little confused here, but I'm often confused, so that's why I ask. (laughs) Yeah. So to kind of sum up or to put into context what Nada just said, as part of the show notes, I have audacity plus tenacity plus audacity. Now, Audacity is the main audio editor that I've been using recently, mainly because there's been some slowdown work on Tenacity. Saucedacity still had some issues that made it. So the way I edit was extremely difficult. And Audacity came out with something new recently, which is live effects. And I actually played with that on the last edit, trying to figure out, okay, how can I get that same thing with the effects that I've been using inside Audacity. So it's typically a noise reduction to help with some of the background noise and stuff that's going on in all of our different lanes. Then there is a filter curve that I'm using to help boost everybody's voices, help them sound a little bit better with a roll off on the low and the high end stuff that We really don't need to hear. We just need to hear the voice, loudless, normalized, compressor, and a limiter. Those are the things that I'm typically using when I'm editing. And one of the biggest downsides is because it's destructive editing. Once you apply it, if you save and go in again, you can't make those changes. So I wait until the very, very end in order to apply a lot of that stuff. Noise reduction I'll do early on when I have the largest samples of background audio It's definitely the cleanest that way. But the other stuff I'll do at the very end. So I'm saving two different versions of this show. There's the fully edited show where I haven't finished the post-processing. And then there's a version that has all of the post-processing in it. I have had times, really funky issues, where something that I've applied kind of messes things up. It shifts an audio track and I've got to go back and figure out why certain things have been done. So it's really important for me to have those two different versions. And I definitely wouldn't want to have to start re-editing show all over or something like that because of the way something's been applied at the very end, saved back out, go back to it. Oh no. So I was really looking forward to these live techniques in doing some of that editing, especially to balance out all of our audio from the very beginning. Because if someone's super quiet and someone's super loud, I'm usually just dealing with that during the audio because I don't want to apply those things early on. I don't say I've got it down like the live audio of stuff that I've added. I'm not seeing the graphical user interface that I'm supposed to be seeing inside of Tenacity right now. It's pretty much like a standard window with some settings, none of the graphic stuff's in there, and it can be a little bit harder, especially for me to figure out, okay, which buttons and tweaks do I need to use in order to get the same thing. So it was an interesting experiment, but something I'm not quite ready for, but something I will be playing again with this week. Now to jump back into the tenacity, sustacity side, what I'm super excited about, because I cannot wait 
for one of these to be my weekly audio editors once again. So Tenacity was doing some amazing work. They kind of got bogged down with some other life. Sostacity was also doing some amazing work, but it was just one person working on it. These two projects are actually merging into one. So Saucedacity stuff is now over on the Tenacity GitHub page. It does sound like they will be moving to Codeberg, but right now they're still on GitHub. They are merging their codes together. So the updates that Tenacity's done, the great work that Saucedacity's done, and bringing it together into one project, which will be called Tenacity Still. That's my favorite of the two names. <laughs> And then on top of that, I saw on Macedon that Tenacity is talking about bringing over the live effects too. So if I do get it figured out there, super excited that I will have that option, probably 1.4 launch of Tenacity. Well, that's super cool. I'm really glad to see that they're combining their talent pool, basically keeping you know, this fork of Audacity going however they do it. Because I think it's good to have different ways of tackling problems, which is what I love about the open source. But the fact that they're tackling problems their own way, you know, maybe those things will get merged into Audacity eventually. I don't know. If they do, great. If they don't, Audacity can do what Audacity wants to do. And the other project can go forth and continue to do its great things. It's neat to see that we have options, basically. There's not one option that you have to use to do audio editing. There are multiple options. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm definitely glad to see the work that some of these other projects that had forked off from Audacity aren't, all that work is not going to waste, that it's still being pulled together and from different parts. And a lot of the times, unfortunately, sometimes what we see in the open source community is when something forks, all that work is just kind of dies off if it dies, if that fork dies and never gets either picked back up or re-implemented into other things. So it's really nice to see that it's not just wasted effort that was done by a lot of these other projects. So I'm definitely glad to see that this is going to pick up and keep going forward in its own way. Yeah, because they really are overall great projects. And I love that they were keeping the functionality of Audacity, but stripping out some of that stuff that we didn't like, especially the tracking that we had no way to opt out of, which was my biggest issue on that side and some of the decisions the Audacity team was making since the switch over the handover to somebody else as the main keeper of Audacity. And if you want to find out more about both of these projects, I highly recommend that you check out Mastodon. Both of them have pages on there. Both of them are sending out messages quite often on the updates of those applications, how they're working, how the merge is going, what they're doing on the different update versions. And so while my current editor right now is still Audacity, I'm hoping here in the new future, possibly with the release of 1.3, that they are just about to get pushed out for Tedacity, which will merge both of these different projects together, that it will once again be my weekly audio editor. Awesome project. I love seeing projects work together like this and really deliver another solid option to the community. It feels like we've already had Game of the Week with my what have I been doing this week but you actually have another game for us which I can't give you too much of a hard time for because we gave you a really big hard time last week for not having a game so what is the one you've got in for fairness us, because I didn't have a game last week 
I'll own that one. However, I did make it up by giving you a recommendation earlier in the show. So there's that. So ha. <laughs> Uh, except there's interest. So when you are late on your payment, you have to pay interest. So it doesn't really cover it yet. So, you know, depends we'll on see. the card you have. <laughs> you were late on your I payment. I have 0% interest on mine, Nate. So, ha. <laughs> yeah, but you were still late on your payment. You can't be late on your payments. Your payments are every week. You, eh. You're late. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, the game of the week this week is Star Ocean The Divine Force. This is actually a new one that came out end of October. Fairly new. It is playable on Steam. It's a little wonky, though. Some different things that you have to... Sorry, I should say. It's playable on Linux. It's a little wonky, though. You have There's some hoops you have to jump through. I've been playing on the Series X just because that's the one that I have. So it's a typical JRPG. It's fantasy meets sci-fi. So it's fish out of water story, depending on how you want to do fish out of water. The cool thing is you have two protagonists that you can choose from. You can choose the female protagonist and they play like the fantasy portion. Then they become the fish out of water by going into space. There takes all your sci-fi stuff. Or you can be the sci-fi person and choose the male route and go and crash land on the planet and meet all the same kind of interaction story-wise. But the fish out of water story in and of itself is different. And then it becomes typical, you know, JRPG, tropey, save the world kind of stuff. But overall, it's a fun action game and action combat. If you're looking for like high graphic settings and all this other stuff, go play Final Fantasy 15 if that's what you want. This is more of a, I'd say, mid-range PS3 title as far as the graphics, graphical look and stuff. More of a, I'm going to assume, budgetary limitation just based on how the last game was perceived. So it's one of those games, is it 60 bucks? Depends on if you like the series or not. Depends if you like JRPGs or not. It depends. But for me, I enjoy the series. I enjoy the storytelling. I enjoy that kind of sci-fi crammed into fantasy setting. And it's like, you know, it's almost one of those kind of like, what if you brought something back from the future into past eras of time? See how things would potentially curve and change and that kind of stuff. And like how those people would react to stuff. So that's the element that I kind of like about it. I mean, I think the graphics are pretty great. I don't know what your criticisms are I want to say it's not my criticisms. I think the graphics are fine. That's a criticism other people have made. They're not real enough. They don't compare to this game. They don't compare to that game. Well, no kidding. That's not the art style they're going for. <laughs> so just based on the art style itself, I almost feel like I've seen this game before, even though it was brand new in October of this uh, year. You might have seen it because I streamed it for GameSphere. No, what I'm saying is that it's in that same anime style that we see from you all the time. <laughs> I'm not unaware that I do have a type of style of game that I like. Matt has Some a type. Things that, nope, I'm going to be good. I have games that I generically gravitate towards too. You are not wrong as far as like art style and that kind of stuff. But I also do play games that are totally 180s. Like the one where I made was it Observation. I think it was the space like realistic setting one where you play the AI HAL robot. That goes around fixing the ship. Yeah, and last week was definitely different when it comes to the graphic style and some of the gameplay. So you do have <laughs> some occasional, occasional ways in which you change it up. I was just giving you some crap about the fact that this is another one that has I that same totally graphic I totally own that. Unfortunately, what I will say is if they're generically, not always, but if they're generically Japanese RPGs, they kind of have all like aesthetic, like anime type vibe to them. So if it's a genre, it's more of a genre thing, not so much a uh, specific thing. It's kind of like some of the fighting games. Very, very similar. 
kind of in that anime vibe because of just how the art style is. It's just an art style choice more than anything else. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse forum, drop us a line under this video or on the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contacts. If you'd like to hang out with us in our preferred social media platforms, you can see the links at the bottom of the show description. You can find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, Gamesphere, Lennox Saloon, and many more at tuxdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I pause my game to be here shirt, which I do every week that I'm here. <laughs> or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag because she really is that sinister, guys. And you didn't actually pause your game. I'm not that sinister, and Matt's always playing games, even when he's with us on the He's either playing games or he's, you know, playing games. Lies. Right? (laughs) As always, we thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Lennox Out Loud. Until then, keep the banner friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. I will have you know I have never actually sat here and played video games while doing any recording, so ha. But you Once I start hearing 3D printing, yes. (laughs) 